This is my fake voice that I use so that people don't think I'm a giant pussy. Today we're gonna watch, uh, probably just a bunch of dudes jerking off onto a cookie. You guys remember the cookie game? The cookie game is so funny. Those of you who don't remember the cookie game. Yeah, that's pretty sick. He does it. He does too. He picks really good fucking uh, videos to do. Yeah. yeah. We're back. We're back. We had to take a uh, day off. Our first day off in 32 episodes. So, um, anyways, if you forgot who we are, we are already. We are the Art Pros. www.artprospodcast.com. Or you can find us on Instagram at paid.artists. Paid or... Uh, which is what you should do first. You can go to our Patreon and give us a bunch of money per month. Um, like $1? Yeah, what? that's a lot these days. Man. Yeah, I think $1 gets you everything so far. And Yeah, you can get a bunch of stuff from Mickey D's, whatever you need. What's up, everybody? It's Gage B and Renz B, and today we're going to talk about the most serious thing in all of, in, of, in all of professional art history, the one thing that ties all of the artists and craftsmen together. Artsmanship. Is that or craftsmanship? Is that artsmanship? Art craft craftership. We're gonna be talking about craftsmanship today, guys. What's up? <laughs> so craftsmanship is a big deal for those of you who are not familiar with it. Maybe some of you have jobs where it just doesn't matter how well you do it. Um, I can't think of any, but craftsmanship is, it's a mindset. It's a way of measuring the product of a labor, hmm. right? That, you know, I I haven't exactly thought about what exactly craftsmanship was. That's a pretty good definition. Yeah, I just came, I, I just made that up. I didn't even check Webster's. Well, all right, let's, can we start, should we start with the uh, big announcement? You got a big announcement. Oh, I thought you were going to start with the Filipino thing. Well, maybe we should uh, save the big announcement for later. That's called a cliffhanger. All right, let's hang these people from a cliff. For those of you who are gonna who are gonna listen to the whole episode, um, we're, we have a big announcement at the end of it. That's really not that big. So thanks for listening. <laughs> you could just skip to the end right now. Well, so in terms of craftsmanship, you know, we've been starting out every episode trying to share a little bit about Philippine Philippine history and all that stuff. And we're going to continue that trend, that tradition, if you will, because, um, you know, it's a way for us to reconnect. Not a lot of Filipinos know about their, you know, the history of their country, especially pre-colonial Philippines. Like today, I was just looking up stuff about, you know, what, what, Filipino people did creatively pre-colonial times because all that stuff is gone. And then I got down the rabbit hole and started realizing, like, why is it gone? You know, they're a tropical country. They are historically known to be a popular trading destination in Southeast Asia, China, whatnot. And they built a lot of their, I wouldn't call it empires, but there are a lot of big tribes like big popular and wealthy tribes otherwise nobody would be trading with them right and they yeah. would have nothing to trade and the reason that i found i think 
I'm not 100% sure if this is accurate, and I don't think a lot of people actually do. It makes sense, though, is that the reason... All right, let me preface this a little bit. Somebody on the internet asked, how come the Philippines, if they are recorded to have been a trading destination through, you know, with other larger countries, how come we don't have a pyramid of Giza? How come we don't have temples like in Bali or something like that made out of stone and and big wooden carvings of the Buddha? Well, we're uh, eco-friendly. <laughs> no, the thing like the the reason people think that is because the Philippines wasn't exactly a united nation at the time before, you know, so the Spanish came. Wait, 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 wait. Are you sure it's not because the Philippines didn't fuck with slavery? <laughs> um, I don't know, Gage. It wasn't. It, it's not recorded. Okay. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. But probably not. <laughs> yeah, I'm guessing we didn't. Yeah. I'm guessing if we enslaved anybody, we were too lazy to enforce it. Well, no. The thing was, like, people. I guess here's my theory. I'll, I'll say my theory a little bit. I'll I'll save my theory after I try to explain what I read online, which has absolutely no factual proof, but it's still interesting. (laughs) The theory is because since the Philippines were separated into many tribes, that made it easier for Spain to conquer them because they weren't exactly united as one. They were happy in their island. There's a thing uh, sociologically that says um, if... If the reason for adapting, if one of the major reasons for adapting is because of predators and there are no natural predators, there's a thing called like island shrinkage or something. You shrink and get smaller because you live in the island. You don't have the need to defend yourself as much as if you were living in somewhere more dangerous with like, I don't know, jaguars or or something like that. That's one reason for why people think some people in islands are smaller than normal than average i don't know it's all kind of weird right but the point is the thing about adaptation you know (laughs) if you got to adapt to certain things if no one's messing with you and and everyone's like down to trade with you you don't really need to do any uniting you know you don't have anyone to defend yourself against you don't need to unite against your fellow tribes and if everyone has what they need you're, you're just chill where you are why do you need to explore if everything's around you? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So uh, with that, I I realized that maybe, maybe it's because that there wasn't a need to make big temples because everything made sense to be, or like nobody cared to question it because fruits were going from trees. It was probably falling on top of their head. Like dinner was... In the, in the water, you know, people, we talked about this in the previous episode, people were, people are able to hold their breaths for minute at a, minutes at a time to literally walk underwater to catch fish because just because they can't. <laughs> so, you, you know, people are that chill in the island to not be worried about being underwater for 15 minutes, <laughs> drowning. Ah, we're good. We won't drown. I can hold my breath for that long. I'll, I'll literally catch the fish by going underwater instead of using a stick with a, a string on the end. So with that, I, I don't know. Am I getting convoluted here? Is this confusing? A little bit. Let's get, let's get to the myth. Well, it's not a myth. It's more so that along my research, I realized that Rockefeller, during the time when America 
I don't know what this has to do with craftsmanship, but when after the Spanish-American War, you know, America did a whole bunch of crazy, uh, mean things to Filipino people. They thought that they needed to be reformed because they were savages. Rockefeller apparently was against it because the story goes the United States paid $20 million for the Philippines or oh, something that's like it? that. Are you fucking yeah. serious? Yeah, and Rockefeller was like, no, dude, that's messed up. And he tried to, like, say that he would give the Philippines $20 million to buy themselves back from America, but it didn't really work out. Obviously, because why would America take... Why would they do that if they wanted it yeah. in the first place? They would have probably been like, oh, well, if you gave us $100 million, True. buy low, sell high. Business, <laughs> capitalism, craftsmanship, the yeah. craft of pillaging. Who did... Did America buy us from Spain? Yeah. Spanish-American War. Oh, is that... Of that's, 1898? That's so weird because all the history books make it seem like uh, America helped liberate us from Spain. Oh, well, so I might be wrong. Maybe they did. No, I mean, I'm, I'm <laughs> guessing that they probably bought us from Spain and then eventually pushed us on our own to be a sovereign nation that just owes a lot to the they, U.S. They pretty much... I think Spain did that because they didn't want to keep fighting. Probably a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and instead of suffering an embarrassing loss, they just said, look, we'll just sell it to you. <laughs> it's cool. And even though the Filipino people fought back as bravely as they could, apparently the use of the Colt 45, here's some craftsmanship for you. <laughs> America started using Colt 45 because a 38 millimeter handgun they were using weren't working on the people fighting with them who apparently only wanted to use um, machetes or the bolo sword. Oh, yeah. They, and they're like, you know, they're like, they're just not, they're not reacting when we shoot them. So they made a bigger gun. Nice. Yeah. A lot bigger. Yeah, because we're so savage. You yeah. Know, our, our, our ancestors are so savage. And that's that's also another reason why history pre-colonial is hard to come by, because of the separation and tribalism. And that's why we don't have a lot of accounts of what types of crafts Filipino people had made over the years, pre-colonial. It's just very difficult to uh, keep track of all these different types of people living in the same place. Different tribes, and it still happens today. Like, there, still, there is an identity crisis of the Filipino population that nobody really talks about because Filipino people are confused about it also. Okay, so we can say that uh, in terms of the Filipino cultural identity, we have a pretty low level of craftsmanship so far. No, that's not true, because in history, <laughs> let me tell you about the goldsmithing that these Filipinos did. Let me tell you, let me tell you about this gold that they, Google it, Google ancient uh, or like Filipino goldsmith artifacts. They are absolutely insane. These people are making threads out of gold and weaving like belts, like sashes made out of golden thread. Literally, they, they're so thin, they look like thread, and that's how apparently... According to the history books, that's how Filipino got their street cred from the Spanish. They're like, oh, wait, they're not... A bunch that. of idiots. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wait, apparently there was so much gold there that it was useless unless you could craft something out of it. That's pretty epic. We also built really cool boats, I think. And I, if I had yep. to guess that... If I had to guess where there was a, a very low margin of error, it'd probably be boat building. Like, you can't 
have a little bit of space during when you're crafting a boat you can't have like oh you know those two pieces of wood almost go together it's fine because it'll just take on water and then you die Mm -hmm. yeah so uh what a fun journey to embark upon today we're going to talk about (laughs) craftsmanship and you know it's it's a it's the type of thing that most artists well really anybody has to address is the level of craftsmanship with which they want to do any sort of thing um can you think of some examples of craftsmanship in the arts um absolutely uh in art history for example sculptures out of marble were at the point at that point the peak of like artistry or one of the form one of the highest finest forms of art is to be able to sculpt a highly render, rendered small penis. Yeah, boobs. <laughs> boobs. So, so how would you describe their level of craftsmanship? I think that even though it's dated, the craftsmanship required to create a replica, even a small replica of the statue of David, is unbelievably difficult. Yeah, without years and years of skill and training. I think that it's a high level, and I think that I agree with your earlier description because to be able to create something with that much skill and obvious expertise, sometimes you look at something and it's obvious you can't do it. Like, yeah. You know, sometimes I look at a drawing that looks like a black and white photograph, and I'm just, even if, even if someone copied a photo, it's just like, I could never do that. That is out of this world this is a human printer well that's one aspect of craftsmanship but what about craftsmanship that's so good that you think you can do it that i can do it yeah like you see something like uh like a side twombly painting which is just a bunch of scribbles the craftsmanship's so good you can't see any of the seams you can't say oh like i see what they did there uh dude i don't know if i can agree with you i don't think i can make a side twombly painting to be quite honest no me neither i don't suck that bad i'm just, <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding if if you don't know who side twombly is you can google him right now basically if i could surmise it he makes scribbles on big canvases in it sometimes it looks like it's made with colored pencil but i can argue that they do look pretty nice they would look nice in an kind of modern Bauhaus apartment probably or if you have a loft in New York City might look, look might look pretty and it has a good name so you can have good resale value you know what I mean true that so Let's say my two-year-old painted on a six foot by two two foot can I don't have a two-year-old by the way but it might be you think it'd be as good craftsmanship as somebody like Cy Twombly or is it accidental craftsmanship well that's the issue is like I it might be as interesting as a Cy Twombly piece, but it isn't executed with the same level of craftsmanship. <laughs> Expertly crafted scribbles. Yeah. Requires a lot of uh, fine art knowledge. I mean, that's a bit... So craftsmanship, the reason why we're talking about it today is because it's so hard to define unless you you are a craftsman, like what craftsmanship is, which is why I'm having trouble defining it because I'm, I'm more of like an artsman. So uh, there's arts and crafts and like in the arts and crafts universe, craft is like something that's skill based and art is something that's like uh, content or art based. 
you know, we've defined art in previous episodes. Craftsmanship is the thing that makes art valuable. Would you agree with that? I actually, I think it's a major contributing factor. Because if, this is our favorite guy to refer to, if Duchamp, you know, if, is it craftsmanship to bring a toilet bowl to a gallery? Well, he did write a fake name on it also. Yeah, well, okay, so in that example, craftsmanship would be how well he used the Sharpie, mm. right? Like that signature looks like a good signature, and it, it has no, there's no mess-ups. He didn't leave any smudges. You're right. Yeah. yeah. And so, he didn't drop it on the way there. No, he didn't drop it. There's no chips. It's it's well installed into the corner of the room. That's good craftsmanship. Craftsmanship is what sets apart a... Um, ikea table from like a 400 dollar crate and barrel table i agree yeah yeah craftsmanship does it's it's i think it's at least 95 percent skill yeah for sure at least 112 percent skill and uh 100 percent power of will what's that song i don't no. know 12 <laughs> percent power 10 percent skill Hundred percent power of craftsmanship. Will I don't know what remember you're talking the name. about. <laughs> it's called remember the name. Uh, yeah, man, I got no idea what you're talking about. But uh, craftsmanship <laughs> is so. I think that people inherently know craftsmanship when they look at it because it's like this thing that you've evolved to be able to visually understand. Like, like you ever go to someone's house? And you you walk in the front door and they have like some table that they made and it's just like a couple of shoe boxes and then a piece of glass sitting on top of it. And you look at that and you're like, I'm not going to set shit on that because that thing's just going to fall apart. Yeah. That's bad craftsmanship. You can tell just by looking at it that it's not going to work and do the thing that you need it to do. Whereas evolutionarily, we've we've evolved to be able to to define that. Because it still looks like a table, but you can see that the screws are kind of loose, that the glass is a little chipped near the edges, and that it's just something generally that you don't trust. It's just a gut feeling. I think the key word in, in this definition is something that you can trust, right? If you can trust the craftsman, you can trust the craft that they're making for you. And what kind of craft is being made by a craftsman? What are the popular ones? Let's say woodworking is craftsmanship. Yeah. It's on the top of my mind. I like that. Um, but some people also say that collaging is a craft. Yeah. Know? I would say uh, fibers, like working with, with clothing or any type of fabric material, that's a craft. Sure. And you can tell high craft from low craft. So... So what is the difference between being an artist or being a craftsman? Is it is there a difference? Or, or or is it one of those things where an artist is always a craftsman, but a craftsman isn't all it isn't necessarily an artist? Is that like something you read off a cereal box or something? It's probably an SAT question. Oh, okay. I would say that uh a craftsman I would argue the opposite. Because fuck artists. Craftsmen are always artists because they're good at it. Artists are not always craftsmen because sometimes they make garbage. <laughs> um, no, I, 
I guess theoretically, yeah, like an artist is always a craftsman, but a craftsman isn't always an artist. Because, you know, like I wouldn't necessarily call like a really well-built brick wall a piece of art unless that was the intent, you know? But what but I would should call it, it have a really be, good craft. Should it have to be an intent or should should craft have as much respect to be a craft as art does being art? Well, I would wager that... Um, for the average craftsman versus the average artist, craft has more value to the average person I agree than with art that. does. I agree with that. Like someone who's pretty good at putting two by fours together is going to be more respected than someone who's pretty good at putting paintings together. And I agree with that because of the word, well, it's hard to say because when we start using the word value, maybe what if you come up on a, really expensive painting that you find in a garage sale and you're like holy shit this is a vincent van gogh drawing and this is worth five hundred thousand dollars and this person didn't know because they're trying to sell everything in their garage because of their late relative's death and uh, they sold it to me for five bucks i went to uh i went on reddit and they're like holy shit you have a five hundred thousand dollar vincent van gogh drawing so it's hard to use the word value but in terms of of functionality in general i do think that more people will be able to get value out of good craftsmanship yeah than good artsmanship than good arts yeah than good art because you know what that's probably less likely than winning the lottery is finding a vincent van gogh drawing in a yard sale plus you got to prove it's his drawing yeah you gotta find an appraiser or an expert or something or you could like talk to us We'll tell you if it is. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I think value is a good metric. Like, uh, I'll pay. I would pay someone, you know, forty bucks to make me some cheap sawhorses from two by four, so I don't have to do it. But I would not pay someone forty dollars to make me a mediocre painting of myself. Yeah, and you know the the reason I brought up that argument. And the reason it is difficult to use that, and I don't think it's the best measurement, is because I feel like the value of art at the end of the day is something that is manufactured by the elites who want the value of their art that they can afford to pay millions of to retain its value. Well, everything is, like, all value is just based on whoever is willing to pay, pay the most for it. Oh right, the trickle down theory. Yeah, it's like it's like like something is only as valuable as the most you could sell it for, and like you specifically, because you have to consider things in value relative to yourself. Otherwise, there's no point in well, talking about it. How about we say this? Let's come up with a rhetorical argument. Let's say we are living in a world with the same stuff we have now, but uh, for some reason, money doesn't exist. So what has more value, like something that is crafted, like a table, or a really pretty good portrait? Wait, money has no value? No, it's just none. There's no it's money. Just purely rhetorical. No money. You're choosing between... Fuck, I don't even know how to... Tra- like, what, what do you trade for that? Well, but that's what I'm saying. Like, let's take let's take the money out of the equation as something of value. Let's Let's keep the value to... Well, how many dicks would you suck to get a table versus how many dicks would you suck to get a... 
That's what painting? I'm asking. Is that is that the question? That's what I'm asking. Yeah, like like what, where does the value come from? Well, if if let's, uh, I think if we took money out of the equation, because some people just have too much money, so it's a it's kind of like an ex, like a variable that isn't accurate, you know. But trading is always subjective like like if you take money out of it there's even more variable because it's like i might be willing to accept 20 million dollars for the islands Mm. of the entire philippines or 20 million dollars worth of sand for that and you would be like nah i only accept uh a billion tons of sand like it it, it's really difficult i think it's even harder to try and have this uh to come up with this I, rhetoric I, well okay that's probably because people understand money in an intrinsic way because that's literally the most common way to trade yeah for goods well i look at money as time so like i would look at whatever thing took more time and then compensate well, they, people like, that's a good way yeah be like, all right, this guy spent 12 hours on this table. You spent 45 minutes on that painting. I'm going to give this guy 12 hours worth of of beats. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to give you nothing because fuck you. That guy made a table and I can't even put my dinner on your painting. People still get paid by hour. People get salary by year. Time is the ultimate measure of money and worth, even if it's a little skewed. Yeah. So, I mean, isn't I, I would make the argument that money is like time is money, like isn't as simple as like, oh, like each second you're wasting, you're not making a dollar. Like I would make the argument that that's like the only thing that it's valued at is like how much time did you save is equal to X amount of dollars. Right. That makes perfect sense. So. You know, it's. It it actually is hard to say. It's hard to say. If you apply it to what you would rather learn, would you rather learn how to be good at making art, or would you rather... I mean, you know, I'm already setting myself up for something subjective, but would you rather learn how to be good at making art or good at making crafts, like if you needed to make a table? Or something, and you can only pick one. Some people, some artists are good at both. So, damn, some artists just pay a bunch of craftsmen to make their art valuable because they can afford to do like, it. Like our, our like our fa- other favorite, Jeff Koons, Jeff. Yeah, yeah, or or Andy, or David Brooks. Yeah, I mean, Andy knows how to print make. He just made. More. Talking about Andy Warhol. Yeah, yeah, that guy. Nah, he. I don't fuck with people who don't touch their own art. I'd rather know craft because ultimately if the world ends, I can still do that thing. But if I was just an artist who came up with ideas and then had enough money to pay people to execute, and then the world ends, I'm kind of shit out of luck and I'm probably getting eaten first anyways. I got this other question. So, is I think that drawing is a craft first and then art second. Same with painting. I agree. Yeah, because the function of drawing and painting started with being able to replicate what you saw. The I think that the key word here is replicate because I'm going to go back to cave paintings. People were drawing horses and, and bison. 
maybe the theory is maybe they did it just to show other people that might have gone in and out of the caves or whatever dwellings that they're that that was what was there they, they were replicating the natural wildlife and then people started to make portraits of rich people who could afford colorful paints um people were drawing things in nature to replicate that and share it amongst each other so that's why i think it started as primarily a craft before people considered it as high or fine art yeah i mean i would argue that drawing was photography yeah yeah yep yep. yeah what we use photography photography for now is probably what people use drawing for back then yeah and then painting and then all of that i mean like that that's just the before you had written language you had drawing and like that was probably the best way to describe to people like what was going on Sometimes when people say, oh, I can't draw, I was like, yeah, but you can write. You're drawing letters. Yeah, and that's like, true. Oh. oh, I can't draw. Oh, you mean you're too lazy to learn? <laughs> that's right. Yeah. 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 See, that's the thing about craftsmanship. And I think that's the thing that makes art so valuable is that craftsmanship is something you can learn through effort, right? It's not, you can't, there's really nothing that's going to stop you from learning how to do something well to the level at which you know you want to do it like if you want to make the best table you may not design the best table you may not come up with the idea of what the best table is but if if you can learn how to execute the best table yeah the if art, thing works yeah yeah if it That's works it. and then all the edges are good you know craftsmanship is about edges you know whenever someone's judging the craft of something it's based on how well materials meet up like that's always number one that's how it that's how it's always been but with art there's a chance you might just have a good fucking eye for it you might just like be like yeah you know fuck it like i think that this red and this green make sense next to each other and like there's a chance that that's good art and you can't really work to learn taste you know, you can study it, but ultimately it's not something you can learn. So I actually have more respect for craftsmen because of that, hmm. because it takes labor to get good at craft. I'm, I'm really fascinated about the definition of taste when it comes to making art, because it's so difficult to define why you feel good about looking at something like a Cy Twombly piece, because I think some of them look nice. Well, why do you like chicken tenders? exactly yeah but the problem is because i think the problem is the definition the creation of the word fine art and the elevation of certain things that certain people like more than bad art folk art outsider art what you know what's the difference between pop that? art pop art it's an othering it's a way to control the vocabulary and the understanding of things that we probably i would say definitely already know intrinsically i know i like chicken tenders and some i know i like some side twombly stuff <laughs> it's just the way it is oh yeah people do that because they want to control the market as like my whole i think that those of you who've been listening to art pros and have listened to most of the episodes have an understanding that we have a huge problem with the art market, right? 
as soon as you start bringing in extra fucking language, art history explaining why things were going on, all of that shit, people make the argument that it's, oh, it's a way to understand culture. Fuck that. It's a way for people who are wealthy, who own these pieces of art to describe why we should consider those things valuable. Humans know when art is good. People know when they like something and people know that other people might not like it. Mm -hmm. All the other shit is this extra fucking jargon that's used to sell. It's all used to sell. In fact, you tell me why you like performance art and I'll change my mind. I like performance art, but I've been tricked into liking it. That shit, all of it's used to sell. Context is all, it's all just used to sell shit. I don't trust none of you who think that any of that's important. (laughs) If I can't look at your art and like it naturally, fuck it. I don't give a fuck anymore. I used to care a lot about it, but I'm over it. This is what we in the Art Pros Academy like to call tough love. You're going to be receiving a lot of this in art school through (laughs) critiques or other people's opinions who happen to visit your space and talk about your work. Well, the craft is bad because you see so much art that's, you know, well-made, where all the wood really meets up properly and the paintings are done well. I I purposefully did this poorly as a criticism of the art school. Fuck you, I'm not buying it. I don't care. All right, first of all, I think uh, the level of skill with that impression is very impressive to me because it was a good... I almost... Wanted to do a double take because I wanted to make sure it was still you in front of me. Oh, did you think <laughs> that I was David Brooks or something? <laughs> well, so that that to me is a big, little bit contentious in the uh, art world is, you know, the idea of concept over content. Because, the, the you know, when something like concept takes control more than the content of the thing it can become off balance i think it's important to have a good amount of concept and content not too much of one or the other because let's say uh, all right first first i'm gonna have to define content and concept just go watch our one of our earlier episodes for this well first i need to use the restroom all right like i'm pausing okay we're back um i forgot what we were talking about me too. But I think this is the perfect segue to tell everybody about our big announcement in that because <laughs> it's not that big, bro. We realized um, we realized that we're not really artists, we're more craftsmen, so we're going to change everything and call ourselves the craft bro pros. The craft bros. <laughs> no, I like just, craft bros. <laughs> that's a good one. Uh, no, but really we're going to take a bit of time off. We don't know when. We don't know where. Keep an eye out. We'll still continue to post some content. But it's time to regroup. It's time for a break. This is 33 episodes almost in a row, except for last week. But it's the season for relaxing and getting healthy because, you know, sometimes there's bugs out there and viruses, whatever. Well, I'll put it like this. Craftsmanship is about being able to take a step back a step back observe what you've made and make adjustments so we're going to be taking a a pretty short break like i don't think it's going to be that long to make some content and to prepare ourselves for season two of the craft bros yeah probably like three or four years 
three or four years. <laughs> going on a three or four year hiatus. See, they say measure twice and cut once. That's a craftsmanship tip. Damn, we should have just done craftsmanship tips, but we don't have any because we're artists. Yeah, no, I'm I'm not a very excellent craftsman or anything. No, um, wait. So, what, how long are you trying to do? Like a month? I don't know, something like that. Yeah, it sounds fine. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to go too long because we might get really bad at it again. We spent all this time getting good. Oh man! But this is our craft. Yeah. This is our art. This is our cart. <laughs> this is our raft. So we're gonna be taking a little break. Um, this is definitely not the end of art pros because if it was, we would be way crazier than this. No. Yeah. That's 33 episodes we're letting go of. Are you kidding me? Yeah. 33 episodes, tons of fans, patrons. No, we're, ta- we're taking a three to four week break to regroup. We're going to be producing content in the meantime. Renz and I will still be meeting up weekly like we do for these episodes, but just to try and prepare and make a better product for you guys. Bigger, um, faster, craftier more conceptual <laughs> yeah yeah we're gonna get real deep we might start we're, we're if i can be real with you uh we're, we're thinking about trying to figure out how to live stream uh also we're gonna try and make some videos and some other content and really harp in on how to make sure we can make more work for our patrons while still maintaining producing work that is free and open to the public because we are an educational reason <laughs> <laughs> I can't even say an educational re- resource. <laughs> yeah. Or are the most fun professor- professors you've never had? You know, how many professors do you know that aren't afraid to be wrong or screw up? Sometimes it, how do you, how can you be right if you can't be wrong? Yeah, we're learning with you guys. Um, we appreciate that you all listen to every episode. And if you don't, fuck you. Um, <laughs> And if you're if you're itching for more art pros content, it it'll be soon and it'll be bigger, better, stronger, faster. Uh, Kanye that Kanye song, yeah. good, you know. Yeah, uh, I think it was um, on Jesus. Yeah, bigger, better, faster, stronger. Definitely not Daft Punk. That's not on Jesus. That's on graduation. Yeah. So thank you guys for listening so far. Season two will be out by December. Season two, Season your Christmas two. present from the art pros. Season two. All right, everybody. Have a good rest of the time. And don't forget to check out all our other episodes if you haven't already. I'll be safe. We love you guys. And uh, happy Halloween because we're going to miss that. Peace. Peace.